purpose to lift you high. We love you. We ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, you may be seated this morning. We're excited to continue what God is doing in this place, and we serve a good God. Amen. 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 I'm excited to continue our uh, Discipline to Freedom series uh, today. Uh, It's been an amazing series as we've kicked off uh, this year. Um, And I just encourage you, if you have not been here for the previous weeks of of this this series, encourage you to go back to our Flag Church app, YouTube, um, and watch the previous messages um, have just been so good uh, for us, for myself personally, and just awesome reminders and disciplines that change our life. Um, and so if you have not been here, you may have the question, okay, what is a spiritual discipline? What is a spiritual discipline? We've looked at that, that spiritual disciplines are practices found in Scripture, so we're not making them up. Okay, so they're practices found in scripture that promote growth spiritually in the lives of those who love God. So they're practices that promote growth in the lives of those who love God. They don't offer anything to anybody that don't that doesn't love God because they're all connected to the purpose of knowing God, being like him and loving him. And so disciplines are practices. All right. Spiritual disciplines are things that you do. So we don't just talk about them. They have to be things that we do. But the goal of practicing any of these uh, given uh, spiritual disciplines that we've talked about in this series, uh, the goal is not as much about doing, but about being. So being like Jesus and being with Jesus. That's why we have the spiritual disciplines. But the biblical way to grow in being more like Jesus is through doing the biblical spiritual disciplines. You know, I don't grow close to my wife just because we're married. And I don't grow close to Jesus just because I believe in him. Just because I go to church does not mean that I am growing close to him. I live in the same house as my wife, but we could be very far apart. So I grow close to my wife, By being with her, by studying her, and being intentional, just like we are to do with Christ. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, it says, Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. And that word godliness is to have the character and attitude of God. To have the character and attitude of God. Like, we want to be with Jesus, and we want to be like Jesus, and we want people to see that we've been with Jesus. We want to reflect him, but we are not godly just because we practice the spiritual disciplines. Okay, practicing the spiritual disciplines does not make us godly, and that was the great error of the Pharisees, right? They felt by doing these practices that they were godly but no in fact they are just the means to godliness because as we're with god he changes us and transforms who we are so this morning i want to focus on the spiritual discipline of spending time in god's word the spiritual discipline of spending time in god's word so if you have a physical bible with you you know i've been doing this every time i'm here if you have a physical bible with you can you show it to me 
Let's see those physical Bibles. We got a lot of physical Bibles this morning. Okay, we're growing in this culture of bringing our Bibles uh, to church. And man, I encourage you to take notes this morning. That is a discipline. It may not be a spiritual discipline, but it is a discipline that keeps us engaged and does promote growth. So I encourage you, man, bring your Bibles, bring something to take notes on. If you don't uh, have something to take notes on this morning, you can go to our Flag Church app. There um, is a note or a spot for you to take notes on there. Um, so I encourage you to do that. But when we look at scripture and the discipline of spending time in God's word, we come to the scripture to be changed, not to amass information. Okay, so that's why we come to the scripture. That's why we read this book is not to just become biblically smart like the Pharisees, but to be changed. To, to be changed on the inside that it's visible to everybody else. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses uh, 16 to 17 says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So if I desire to look like Christ, or if I don't desire to look like Christ, then I need not read his word. If that's not a priority of my life, I don't need to read this. But if I desire to look like Christ, then I must read his word. If I desire to look like Christ, I must read his word. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, Whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So what we study determines the kind of habits that are formed. What we study determines the kind of habits that are formed. Which is why Paul encourages us in Philippians to focus on things that are true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, and admirable. Because the mind... The mind is renewed by applying it to those things that will transform it. So we spend a lot of times, or a lot of time, studying things that will not transform our mind. But the Word of God can transform us. And so when we study it and then apply it, it transforms us. So time in God's Word enables us to take on the mind of Christ. Because this right here is the mind of Christ. You want the Lord to speak to you, well, right here he will. He will speak to you every single time that you open this up because these are his words that he is wanting to speak to us. But I want you to hear me this morning. The point of the Bible is not the Bible. Okay, this is just a book. Essentially, this is just a book. So the point of the Bible is not getting you to the Bible. The point of the Bible is getting you to Jesus. That is the point of the Bible, is getting us to Jesus. That's what all of these spiritual disciplines are, is to get us to Jesus, to get closer to him, to be more intimate with him, to know him, to know his heart, to know his heart beat. Like Anthony was saying about God's heart is missions, Man, we would come to know that by reading his word, because it's visible that he is on mission for every single one of us. 
So we don't worship the Bible, but we worship the God of the Bible. However, it is unlikely that you worship the God of the Bible if you don't love his word. Pastor Shelby said two weeks ago that if worship does not change us, it has not been worship. And if worship does not propel us into greater obedience, it has not been worship. Because when I worship God, I hunger and thirst for him. I hunger and thirst for what he loves. I hunger and thirst to know more of him, to know more of his heart, because I worship him. I adore him. I, I put him over myself, saying, Lord, you reign over me. You reign above it all. You are greater and holier than everything else, so my life is yours. So everything I do is about knowing him and being close to him. In John chapter 1, verse 1 says, In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. And so as I hunger and thirst for him, he leads me to his word, which is him. And his word changes me, and it leads me to greater obedience. And so then with my life, I will worship him. Again, his word is him. That's why it's important that we study it and learn it, because this is how we know the heart of our Heavenly Father. And so I worship him, right? We worship him because he has changed us. That's why I'm willing to give my life to him. That's why I'm willing to sacrifice. That's why I truly believe that he is greater than anything else, because he has changed me. He has set me free from sin and death, right? He, he has Change the path of my present and my future and put my feet upon a solid foundation so I will worship him. I desire more of him because he has proven to me the father's love, right? He has proven to me what true life looks like, what hope and restoration looks like. And so I worship him with my life. And so what does the word of God offer us? What does the word of God do in us? God's word gives life. And it is a continual source of life. We see that in Psalm 119, verse 93. God's word gives peace, Psalm 119, 165. The word of God has healing power in the power to deliver from oppression, Psalm 107, verse 20, and Matthew chapter 8, verse 8. God's word is a counselor, Psalm 119, verse 24. God's word is a source of strength, Psalm 119, verse 28. The word of God hidden in our hearts keeps us from sin, Psalm 119, verse 11. The word of God bears fruit when it is heard and received, Matthew chapter 13, verse 23. God's word is the means to sanctification, John chapter 17, verse 17. The word of God has inerrant power and authority against demonic powers, Luke chapter 4, verse 36. And then God's word is a source of illumination, and guidance, that when God's word comes in, light comes in. We see that in Psalm 119, verses 105. So the word of God changes things. The word of God is an amazing resource to our life because it is God. That is the only reason that is a good resource to our life. Because it points us to Jesus, it points us to his power, and it points us to having faith that God can do whatever it is that God wants to do. So the word of God is not written to us. 
Right? We've talked about this before, that the word of God is not written to us. We know that the things that it says in here do not necessarily always sound like modern day, right? But while the word of God was maybe not written to us, the word of God is written for us. It is written for our benefit. So the, the, the author was writing to a specific group of people, maybe a church, and was addressing certain things in that time period. So it may not have been written directly to us, but it certainly applies to our lives today. And despite the word of God being the words of God and all the benefits that it brings, 94% of Christians have never read the entire Bible. Statistics tell us that 94% of Christians have never read the entire Bible. Now, I don't share that with you this morning to, uh, to make us feel bad. Okay, that's, that's not the point. Maybe you just started following Jesus. Well, of course, like, unless you're a speed reader and there's no way you're retaining all of it, it's going to take you some time to get through it. But that should be a mission of a Christian to know the entirety of Scripture, to have read it all, but unfortunately, many have not. And so I don't share that to make us feel bad, but it should wake us up. As Christians, it should wake us up. And just think about this for a second. What truths and promises of God are we missing out on? Because we are only reading our favorite verses. We're only reading the verse of the day. What are we missing out on that God is wanting to speak to us what are we missing out on of what God's character is and what he truly looks like if we're not reading all of his word? Richard Foster says that many Christians remain in bondage to fears and anxieties simply because they do not avail themselves to the discipline of study. They may be faithful in church attendance and earnest in fulfilling their religious duties, and still they are not changed. I am not here speaking only of those who are going through the religious motions, but of those who are genuinely seeking to worship and obey Jesus Christ as Lord and Master. They may sing with gusto, pray in the Spirit, live as obediently as they know, even receive divine visions and revelations, and yet their lives remain unchanged. Jesus made it unmistakably clear that the knowledge of the truth will set us free. In John chapter 8, verse 32. So it is the knowledge of the truth that will set us free. We don't just get set free just because. It is when we come to the knowledge of the truth that God, through his son Jesus, came and died for us. Me, a sinner. When I come to the knowledge that I'm a sinner and then that Jesus paved a way, it sets me free. Coming to the knowledge of the truth sets us free. Good feelings will not free us. Emotional experiences will not free us. Without a knowledge of the truth, we will not be free. So we can have an emotional and great experience in here because the Lord is drawing us to him. But we will not be free without a knowledge of the truth. And many are hampered and confused in their spiritual walk by simple ignorance of the truth. It's just a simple ignorance of the truth. It's not rocket science. The Pharisees made room for the words of God, but not the word of God, Jesus in the flesh. 
And I think that we are in a moment where we are doing the opposite. Where we want Jesus, we will make room for him, but we think that we don't need the Bible to understand Jesus. And so we make room for the word of God, Jesus in the flesh, but we reject the words of God. Now, from our perspective, we might be saying, I definitely do not reject the words of God. So from our perspective, we may not be rejecting the words of God. But when they are there and available to us, and we ignore them, we are essentially rejecting the words of God. They are there and available to us. It's here. You just have to grab it and open it. Right? It's available to us. So again, the word of God was not written to us, but it was written for us. It was written for our benefit. But this is not about being spiritual. Okay? This is not about being spiritual. This is about spiritual formation. Okay? To know Jesus, to become like him, and to do as he did for the sake of the kingdom of God. Right? When my life was set free and I came to the knowledge of the truth, all of a sudden I wanted other people to have the same knowledge so that they could be set free for the kingdom of God. So how should we approach time in God's word. The answer to that is with expectancy. So how should we approach time in God's word with expectancy? You know, when we look at scripture, people had such a desperation to see Jesus. Right? They wanted to hear him speak and to see him perform miracles. There was an expectancy that people had when they were showing up to where Jesus was that when Jesus spoke or was involved, things would happen. There was an expectancy that people carried with them when they were going to be around Jesus. And so the expectancy of our hearts influences everything that happens after that. The expectancy that I come to the Lord with, when I come to the Lord's table, when I open up my Bible, I must come with expectancy. Because that's when everything changes after that I must believe that what God has for me that day is exactly what I need I come with expectancy that Lord when I read your word today I know that you have something for me I know that because you are a faithful and loving God that you will give me the wisdom and direction that I need for today we need to believe that it has the power to transform us and the way that we live Because if I engage with God with no expectancy, then I treat him like a chore. And I can miss the truth that is right in front of me. So we must come with expectancy every single day that the Lord has something for us. Because the Lord does. Because he loves us and he cares for us and he is personal. He doesn't just go, oh, day by day, I'll come and check on you in a little bit. No, he's with us every single moment and is prepared to speak to us every single moment. And so then how often do I need his word? How often do I need his word? In Exodus chapter 16, we're going to look at that section of scripture just for a moment. And we find that the Israelites were traveling through uh, the desert after they've been set free from bondage in Egypt. And they're on their way to the promised land. And they're upset with their living conditions and their lack of food. 
And so despite all that God had done, they found themselves complaining. And just like the Israelites, we are quick to forget the blessings of God when we are not engaging with him daily. Lamentations chapter 3 verses 21 to 24 says, But this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end, but they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. So the presence of God and the truth of his word, it renews us. So every single day, we should be with him. Every single day, we need his word because I am dying every single day spiritually that I'm not being with him. Every day that he is not washing over me and speaking new truth and new life over me, I'm just allowing myself to revert the other way. I need to continue to allow the Lord to speak new things to me and speak life over me and to speak direction and guidance over me. So in Exodus chapter 16, verses 13 to 20, it says that evening quail came and covered the camp. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, it is the bread the Lord has given to you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. And the Israelites did as they were told. Some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not have too much. And the one who gathered little did not have too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed. Then Moses said to them, no one is to keep any of it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses, and they kept part of it until morning. But it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. And then John chapter 6, verses 31 to 34 says, Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Do you see the connection here? Jesus then said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, sir, give us this bread always. And then Matthew chapter 6, verse 11, when Jesus is teaching them how to pray, he says, give us today our daily bread. So the word of God does not expire, right? The word of God does not expire. But just like the Israelites, God does not want us to depend solely on the provisions of yesterday. Because he has something new and fresh for us today. It's not to say that the truth of God's word yesterday is no longer good for today. But God is saying, that was good there, and it's still good now, but I still have something for you now today that you need. So the truth of yesterday is still good and something that we remember. But the example of the spoiling bread is God declaring, you must have more of me. You must have more of me. Yesterday was yesterday, but I have for you today what you need for today. So I want to encourage you this morning, don't live off of spoiled provisions. 
Don't live off of spoiled provisions. The way that the Lord has spoken to you and given you things in the past, man, don't, don't just try to live your life off of the past. Don't try to live your week off of Sunday. You need provisions every single day. Charles Spurgeon says that there is not a superior verse in the Bible, but, or, nor a chapter which is useless. So there is not a superior verse in the Bible, nor a chapter which is useless. So that means we cannot ignore any of Scripture, but that we need it all. That when we see in Scripture that it says all Scripture is useful, Right? All scripture is useful. That means we need all of scripture, not just the words and the scriptures that we love to be encouraged by. And so I have a few resources for you this morning uh, that we're going to put a QR code up on the screen. And these are resources to help you in your understanding of God's word when you read it. So if you scan this QR code, it'll take you to a Google Doc, and it's going to have a, a few simple resources on there because we didn't want to overwhelm you, but we did want to help you grow in your the, the discipline of study. And so these, are dis, um, these resources are going to include an outline of the SOAP Bible study method. So if you don't have a method of how to study the Word, then this is a great tool for you. It's an outline of how to study it and how to apply it to your work. This is what our college students and what our youth students are doing on a daily basis. And so parents, if you start doing this, this gives you an opportunity of how to study the word of God the same as your children and have conversation. The next one uh, is Enduring Word. This is a, a website and also an app. And what this is, and there's a lot others, there's you know, quite a few others out there that you can find, um, but this is one that we trust in. Um, and so this is a commentary, which is a verse-by-verse verse, um, verse verse explanation of what is taking place in the scriptures. Uh, so it just gives context and understanding to what the writer is saying, what might be taking place in this time period, because all of that matters when we read God's word. And then also another resource is, is BibleProject.com. There's also an app for that as well. Pastor Anthony has used some videos in some of his sermons before. And these are animated videos that make it very easy for us to understand things. So easy a kid could do it. But it's really helpful for adults. Okay, It's got book overviews, word studies, and much more that are just a good resource for us. And so when it comes to reading God's word, I want to encourage you with something this morning. I want to encourage you to read books of the Bible and not verses. I want to encourage you to read books of the Bible and not verses. Okay, we need a Bible reading plan, not a devotional plan. Okay, a Bible reading plan, not a devotional plan. You can do all types of devotional plans on the YouVersion Bible app that deal with peace, that deal with anxiety, that deal with anger, and none of those are bad. So I'm not saying not to do those. But the thing is, is that devotional plans only have a few verses. So you can do devotional plans, but do them on top of a Bible study plan. And this is also included on the resource page. You can find a, a New Testament in the year or an Old Testament in the year. Or if, you know, it is a, a decent amount of reading, it's okay to just start with a book of the Bible and read it chapter by chapter, day by day. But taking in parts of the Bible 
And why we want to encourage you to read the entirety of Scripture and not just verses is that taking in parts of the Bible will change you. Okay, that's why devotional plans are good. Like, they can change us. It's still God's word. So we're not saying that the verses are bad because the verses are a part of the chapter, of the book, of the Bible. But while taking in parts of the Bible will change you, studying all of it will transform you. And so there is so much that we miss because we only read verses. And there is a spiritual discipline of study that we miss if we just read a verse. So I want to encourage you this morning to start a book and don't start another one until you finish that book. Because this is what's so exciting when you do it this way. You'll see a common theme that the author of writing was intending for it to be communicated. You'll begin to see it in the scriptures. You'll, you'll see the purpose. It provides context to what you're reading because all of a sudden you're reading chapter 10 today and a couple days ago you were reading chapter 2 and you're like, oh, I see why he's writing in chapter 10 this because he was addressing this in chapter 2. And it just brings stuff together and it transforms the way that we read. You see connections from one book to another. Just like we talked about Exodus chapter 16, and then we're looking in Matthew chapter 6, and we're looking in John. Like, there's all of these connections that come together when we read the Old Testament and the New Testament. And so we don't study to retain knowledge. That's not why we study. We study to learn what God wants us to know. And so this leads me to the last thing that I have for us this morning, and that is that I want to talk about interpretation. I want to talk about our interpretation of Scripture. That you and I, as Christians, must be dedicated to knowing the truth of the Scripture and not making our own truth. We have to be dedicated to knowing what the actual truth is because Scripture is not what you want it to mean. There is an intended message from the author. And when we read, you and I, are doing our best to interpret the scripture. Okay, that's what everybody in the course of life has done, is trying through with the wisdom of the Holy Spirit to interpret what it is that God is explaining here. But you and I need to be obsessed with knowing the truth and not making our own. Because to make our own truth is to dig our own spiritual grave. And this is where we go wrong sometimes because we read it, but we don't read it to understand it. And then this is how scripture is manipulated and how we as Christians end up deceived. Because we just say, oh, I think this is what the Bible is saying, so I will live this way. And that's dangerous. Because your interpretation very well could be wrong. That's why it's so important that we study, why it's important that we know context and why we don't just read one verse, but read a chapter in a book. Just because you think you know what it is saying doesn't mean that you're correct. That's why we are giving you resources. That's why we offer Wednesday night Bible study. I'm telling you that Wednesday night Bible study is a verse-by-verse -verse explanation of what Scripture is. It is a valuable resource for you folks. Stop ignoring it if you can. If your schedule allows it, allow God to speak to you through that. It will be transformational for your life. That's why um, it's important to have friends who are also studying the scripture so that you can discuss, discuss things together. 
So when we study a book of the Bible, we are not seeking to be controlled by the intent. We are seeking to be controlled by the intent of the author and not what we want him to say. We want life-transforming truth, not just good feelings. We are determined to hear what he is saying, not what we want him to say. And this process revolutionizes our lives. James chapter 1, verses 22 to 25 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So the word of God, believe it or not, is most effective when you obey it and apply it. That's when it is most effective. And so I want to encourage you and challenge you this morning as we wrap up. Let's not just make room for God, but let's make room for his words. Would you stand with me this morning? So the truth of God's word will transform your life. The truth of God's word will transform your life. And your life, then through the power of the Holy Spirit, can lead to the transformation of someone else's life. And so who will come to know Jesus? Because you studied and applied God's word to your life. Who will come to know Jesus because you studied that you were hungry to know what God's word says so that you could apply it to your life. The Lord is inviting you to study his word because it's him and he wants you to know him deeper. So just start today. Pick a time of the day, put it into your schedule and be intentional with Jesus. And that will transform your life. This is about long-term consist consistency because long-term consistency trumps short-term intensity every time. We need to be consistent in the word of God and it will transform our life. You may not read the entire Bible in this next year, but make it a mission to read it in the next three years. Be passionate about knowing all of God's word because all of God's word will transform you. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for the truth of your word that leads us to you. That is what this is all about is getting closer to you. God, it's not about being spiritual. It's not about uh, retaining a bunch of knowledge because all of that is useful if it doesn't get us to you. Lord, we want to know you personally. We want to know the truth that you have for us, the way that we are to live our lives. God, you give us wisdom and guidance. You give us peace and you give us hope. Lord, the truth of your uh, word sets us free. And Lord, I pray that this morning that the truth of your word would begin to set people free in this place and that their life would be transformed so that other people will come to know the knowledge of the truth that will set them free. That family members will come to know Jesus because there are family members in this place that see them as an opportunity, a channel through the Holy Spirit to speak life to other people, to be a living testimony of your word that will set people free. God, would you do a work in us? Would you open things uh, to us, Lord? Would you open up our eyes and our, our perspectives, Lord, to your truth? Would you give us a hunger for your truth, God? And would your truth set us free? Lord, we love you. We honor you. And God, our heart and focus is just to be like you and to be close to you. And I pray that this 
morning will just be a catalyst of the next week and just in the future, Lord, that we would be transformed as we pursue you. God, we love you. We honor you. We ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, you guys have an amazing rest of your Sunday. Don't forget about the business meeting later today. Otherwise, we'll see you on Wednesday for the Bible study or next Sunday. Have a good one.